We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. It is Thursday morning, May 18th. 2023, 7.37 a.m., and it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, in these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are things doing out in Atlanta? We're doing good. We start talking starting lineups. I'm starting to get ready for some football. It's about that time, right? Uh, all the We'll have a lot of uh, projections, you know, prognostications and uh, philosophical talks, and we can really stretch our legs this time of year. Uh, keep it a little short. Uh, as always, like to say, you know, welcome to people in the chat. If you have any f- comments that you guys want us to get into, feel free to add to the conversation. Uh, given it is the off season, the content is always a little bit uh, thinner, but that's okay. Uh, we appreciate that. And we got Jeremy Sean kicking us off with the talking point here. Good morning to you, Jeremy. Hope you're doing well. And he says, I'm going to make a bold prediction. If healthy, Patrick Satana second will be the Broncos starter for the season. Man, that's a uh, calling his shot. He's coming out and he's pointing to the rafters. <laughs> Jeremy Sean is calling his shot. Sertan as a starter, look out. I'm going to write that one down. I am. I'm going to write it down, and we'll see how that goes. Going to hold you accountable uh, to that one without a doubt, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we were just talking about it before the show started there, Scott, but uh, the annual list from PFF of the tw- top 25 players under 25 years old. Last year, I think the Broncos had two players on the list uh, with Patrick Sertan and Javonta Williams. Now it's just Javon, or now it's just Patrick Sertan, obviously. So Jeremy calls out the Broncos top most 10, top ten. I was a little surprised to see Jonathan Taylor still on there right now. Yeah, um, you know he fell off a little bit, and, and I'm still actually a little surprised that he's still under 25 years old. Yeah, <laughs> seems like he's, like he's getting some tread on the tire, face injury for the first time. So an interesting list for sure. Pat Sertan up to number nine, I think, and that where he was drafted. I think he was seven on the list. He, he was drafted nine, but I think he was seven on the list. I think he was seven on the list. Yeah. Seven. You're right. So I just looked at it. Um, so yeah, so I, mean, did I, and I already forgot <laughs> seven, six out in Broncos country. That's a number you don't forget. Um, so that's one that stands out, but, uh, yeah, good morning to you, Jeremy. Good to see you. We got our guy, Ethan coming in saying good morning, gents in Broncos country. Bama X is in the house. Good morning, Broncos country. Bama. How is uh, How are your tide going to look this year? Curious to see how the, I mean, Georgia seems to be the new, the team there. We saw David Pollock, you know, kind of throw some shade at the uh, halftime of the championships. You know, Georgia has arrived. They're the team now right in Saban's face. So I'm curious to see what 
Alabama looks like this year to respond. Hey, you win back to back. You can you yeah. can say that. That's that's legit. You know, one one happens thing. You know, we had some injuries and it wasn't our year. Or something that you know, but you you go back to back. You're the team right now. I don't yep. think there's there's a whole lot to question about that. Now, I wouldn't ever sleep on the Alabama Crimson Tide. If Georgia's the team, then their number one competition is going to be Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so one and two is one of those. I feel like it's been one of those two guys for a while now that Clemson has kind of eased back just a little bit the last couple of years. Yeah. I'd throw Ohio State in that same tier just for the consistency there. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the next tier below Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah in, in with Clemson and, well, then it's Ohio State. It's, well, we're not, this isn't a college football show, but yes, Ohio it could State. Be. But it's, you know, it's Georgia 1A. Alabama two, and then there's a big argument for who comes next. Yeah, for right yeah. now. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm curious to see what the future odds are for this year because it feels like you have so much turnover. Georgia lost so many people. Alabama lost Bryce Young and a lot of people. Ohio State lost their quarterback. Yeah, but it's they lost a lot of like the big like Clemson after they lost that big class of you know the guys and Trevor Lawrence. They've taken a step back so yeah, they, they reload clemson doesn't recruit the way alabama and georgia do they don't have the the, the base you know yeah. georgia has got i used to say that the three biggest natural recruiting advantages in all of football college football were lsu georgia and ohio state just because of the amount of talent that is close to you without having to really fight off in-state schools as much ohio state's got their pick of 150 kids in ohio mm -hmm. louisiana Katrina changed things a little bit, but LSU still has, should have their pick of guys in a very talent rich area. And then Georgia, they're up to almost 200. It's been a while since I've, I've looked at it, but they're probably, now they've added a couple D1 schools, they're probably over 200 Division I signees. Georgia's going to get who they want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, compare that to Iowa. How many kids are coming out of Iowa? Nine, 10? And Alabama takes the best one that's ever come out of the but state. That's, that's my point, you know. So, you know, in Clemson, you know, they were they were doing 40 or 50 <clears throat> in South Carolina, and they had to fight South Carolina. Now, they've been ahead of South Carolina, but South Carolina could pluck a guy off here or there, mm -hmm. and it's still a competitive program. So Clemson's not going to be able to reload the way that Alabama and Georgia can. Yeah. Any dark horse uh, title contender, Scott? I know you don't follow the college recruiting cycle that much this year, no. but anybody? No? Okay. <laughs> I think, I mean, Lincoln Riley with L uh, USC definitely is the one that they were close last year, right? And Caleb Williams, junior year this year, and second year under Lincoln Riley. Their defense is just atrocious. Who's their uh, defensive coordinator? Alex Grinch. Uh, not good, but Caleb Williams is pretty damn special. And, I mean, I feel like Florida State has kind of started to turn it around as well, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida State start to get a foothold again. Uh, but that's probably enough college football talk for now. We appreciate yeah, that. We're to get us back on point. Broncos only. Well, we're talking about maybe future Broncos there, Ernie. Come on. Kevin Gray, morning Broncos country. Nick and Scott, a big mile high salute. Good to see you, Kevin. Hope you're doing well. Got our guy, Zach Powers, morning, morning. Good to see you, Zach. Hope you're doing well. Dave Glassman in the house with the hearts. Good to see you, Dave. Hope you have a, hope you've been having a good week. Dom Harmillo out there in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I think. Uh, hope you're doing well, Dom. Says, good evening, Nick and Scott on Broncos country, Denver Broncos for life. Good to see you. And said, hey, fellas, did you see the Broncos Ted Lasso tweet? Yes, I did. Um, Jamie Tart, I think it was Jamie Tart sitting in the basement, uh, watching the Broncos or I think it was Jamie Tart. I couldn't tell exactly because it was a cartoon, but yeah, I know it was good. Good show last night. Uh, I really hope that this isn't the final season of, I know they wrote it to be three seasons, but like, it feels like there's still so much meat on the bone and character development that could happen that I do hope that they continue to write it. But 
I guess it's better to end it while people still want it than end it. Uh, Going a sad. couple seasons too long. They could yeah. do spinoff characters on this for God's sakes. You know, yeah. you could you could do all kinds of different things. I mean, I'd follow Roy. Oh God, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd, I I'm, in, I'm more interested in Nate these days. Um, you mm. know, but he's still a side. He's a Kramer. You know, Nate's a. I don't know how much Seinfeld you were, but too much a Kramer is too much. Mm-hmm. But you know, there's there's all kinds of stories in there, and it was good show, good show. Anyway, yeah. I mean, I really love Rebecca and Keely. God, they're they're incredible. Their storylines have been really fun as well this season. A lot of growth. Um, but uh, yeah, that's enough. Uh, this is the Ted Lasso podcast. Everyone, welcome <laughs> in. I'm sure there's already a great one out there. Michael Ronquillo, good to see you. Facebook on says uh, good morning, Nick and Scott and Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Adel, Ed, Adenel Amos coming in here. Let me know if I mispronounce that. I'm sorry, Aid. Okay, yeah, Addy. Uh, good to see you. Good day, everyone. Stephen Baumgartner. It's been a second, Stephen. Hope you're doing well. Adenley. 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 We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I like that. I will go with the Denley. We're Denley Scott, so we apologize. <laughs> yeah, we are just way too you know generic boilerplate. Uh, you could call me a basic bro, no doubt about it. I would not be offended. DJ Capo coming in. Good morning, everyone. We got Facebook user. I don't know why this Facebook site does that, but uh, hello to you, Facebook user. I don't know who you are, but hopefully you know who you are. Uh, good morning, Mark Schrader. Good morning, beautiful day here. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Unfortunately, we have it's it's a loft, but out here in Seattle, we just got hit with the smoke from uh, Alberta, which is a major bummer. I hear that like Montana is like being choked out right now. It's mid-May and we're already dealing with massive uh, West divide forest fires. So, and it's an El Nino summer. So I'm pretty damn worried about the, uh, the forest fire and the smoke season coming out here, but we'll see. Uh, Troy Bauer coming in here saying, good morning, guys. I hope Stearns can win the job. Talking Caden Stearns, third year safety from the University of Texas on the Broncos. And I hope center is not on the roster now. He hopes the center is not on the roster now. So getting us back on track. Troy's been, I think Troy's found us somewhat relatively recent. It's been about a month now and he's been coming in steadily, really supporting the show. So thank you so much, Troy, uh, for the $4.99. You've been just a constant uh, help and supporter of the show and really do appreciate that. And not just the financial stuff, but good comments uh, as well. So shout out to Troy. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, what do you think about this? Uh, getting us on track here, talking about Caden Stearns first off. First off, um, I, I I don't know if I'm one of the first, but I'm, I'm definitely one that has said, let's pump the brakes on Caden Stearns a little bit. Um, he gets written in as a plus starter when he's only got five starts in his career and two years has battled injury. He's very, very inexperienced. 
So for us to just pencil him in and assume that he's an upgrade on what you've seen is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem Jackson is meh. You know, that was how do you react to this signing? Meh. Um, he wasn't all that great last year. He's not going to be any better this year. Uh, he's just reaching that age where you're just hoping to hang on and enjoy the game. And God bless him. Play as long as you can, because when it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the second safety position is a concern for me. Because yeah. um, right now, PFF has Caden Stearns written in as their starter. I'd put Kareem Jackson in there until I see it, Nick. Until yeah. I see it. K- K- Kareem Jackson started every game he was healthy. I, Kareem Jackson's a starter until I see otherwise. I think he played the most snaps of anybody on the team last year. There you as go. Well, so what's the best ability? <laughs> availability. I mean, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. So, yeah, Caden Stearns, really talented. Again, uh, there's been talk that this defensive staff is a big fan of him, uh, Vance Joseph, and obviously you have a Christian Parker back for another season. But it's uh, I don't think it's a I'm not writing either of those guys in yet because I want to see what they look like in camp and I want to see Stearns stay healthy. I think, mm-hmm. I think they, they want Stearns to start obviously, you know, third year player ascending talent. That's why a lot of Broncos fans are excited about him as well. Right. It's, uh, but it's the hope, you know, it's the talk. It's like, I, I know what I'm going to get with Kareem Jackson. I've seen the best I'm going to get out of Kareem Jackson. You know, we're not mm-hmm. even talking about, Oh, if he learns a new system. No, I mean, we, we expect Russell Wilson to improve dramatically in a second year. Yeah. No one expects Kareem Jackson to get any better. It, it's just, mm-hmm defies logic and his best was just okay well Caden Stearns his best when he played was pretty good Nick uh it's just uh, it's just a as you like to say it's a small sample size so get him out there the second part of this Troy and again thank you for the support uh I hope the center is not on the roster now you asked me and thanks for asking Nick yes Lloyd Cushenberry is a starter on this team who's going to beat him out if someone else is a starter for this team barring injuries then it's somebody that they acquire. Um, you're, I just don't see them starting a seventh round rookie over Lloyd Cushenberry and uh, Kyle Fuller hasn't played in the NFL. Yeah. I know that Eric has mentioned many times that they like Kyle Fuller, but like for what? Liking, liking somebody. Liking yeah. for what? Some familiarity. Hasn't been a starter yeah. in this league. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And also the thing about center is that it's so, there's so much knowledge in the offensive system, the blocking scheme that like the, f- it's pretty hard to find a center, you know, right before the season starts and plug him in and feel comfortable with that. Uh, so I think it's probably Lloyd Cushenberry. We said it from the beginning, Broncos offensive line sounds like they want to do an overhaul. It's going to be pretty damn hard to overhaul the complete unit in one season. Definitely made some progress or at least massive investments uh, to improve that unit. But center's still there. They still have one year of cost control with Lloyd Cushenberry. I think that's the one that they're going to have to worry about. And you're, you might just have to roll with it this season. It's not going to be a perfect offense. Broncos had limited resources coming into the season to fix everything with as many holes as they had. So center is one that you're hoping improves, but if not, it's just a one year, uh, one year sample, I guess Broncos country, we can be happy because for years it was right tackle, right tackle, right tackle, right tackle. We hope that Mike McGlinchey is an answer there. The last time the Broncos made a big investment at right tackle, it really sucked <laughs> really bad. If, if he's not the answer, that's going to be a problem. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. But anyway, we're hoping that that's good. You made an investment there. Uh, the center is now the, you know, whipping guy on the, uh, you know, the one that Broncos country is, uh, upset about and focused on. And I get it, but again, it's a one year. We just got to get over the hump for the one year and see what happens here. I think on this one, we get, we're settling at center. Unfortunately, I think Mark Schrader, $5, big comment here. Um, 
off topic, I don't care, but uh, celebrate. Eight months past open heart surgery this morning, ran a 5K on a treadmill in 25 minutes. God bless you, Mark. Congrats, man. Staying healthy and uh, getting that ticker going. Yeah, what's that about 10 minute miles after um, open heart surgery within the same year? Dude, that's impressive. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And I like to say one of the, the things about getting older is time goes by so fast. So if you can just get into a habit of doing something every day, you blink twice. Oh, I'm going to do 25 sit-ups a day. Yeah. You blink twice. It's been three months. Now I want to do 50 sit-ups a day. So Mark, it seems like this just happened, Mark, and it's been almost a year. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And the work that you put in, look how far you've come in what seems like such a short time to us, uh, you know, doing 5Ks in under 30 minutes after open heart surgery. That's awesome, dude. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, he says eight minute miles. Yeah, that's what I was uh, doing the conversions in my head. And I was like, just just trying to. Yes, that's that's incredible. Uh, that's awesome. And it's an inspiration. And congratulations. That is amazing. Uh, shout out to you and your wife uh, out there in Texas. Hope you're I mean, gosh, not hope. I know you're doing well. That's a uh, pretty damn incredible. So shout out to you, Mark. Got our guy Lawrence Rivera coming to the stars saying, what's up, guys? Congrats, Mark. You're kicking ass. I'm going to say it on there because it deserves it. I don't know if we're getting <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know you that. got to see some of the, uh, Mark, I know you got to see some of the the face, the face YouTube comments. So I wanted to flash Lawrence also because you don't get to see the crossover like we do in the chat. So Lawrence coming in over on Facebook who got to see your post live um, commenting also. So congratulations. Yeah, and we also got Gary Palmer coming in saying good morning, Nick and Scott, and congrats to Mark. So thank you, Gary. Thank congrats, Mark, man. It's that's incredible. Um, eight months too. It feels like you, that just happened, like Scott was saying. So time really does fly. In the words of our the poet of my generation, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. So <laughs> um, so uh, appreciate that, Gary, and uh, hope you're doing well, Gary, as well. We got Donald Willison coming in here saying good morning, Nick and Scott. Good to see you. Flying Anger Pig saying good morning. Dom saying, Nick, don't talk about smack about the Bulldogs. I just think there's a little bit more of an opening uh, this season. Kevin Sproul coming in saying, watch out for the Longhorns. I feel like we say that every year, and it's kind of like the Broncos. For me, it's kind of like the Broncos beating the Chiefs. I'll believe the Longhorns when I see the Longhorns. Um, also, I know Scott and I are not the biggest fans of if their Sarkeesian head coach. coached my kid's team, I'd root against him. That's that's how much I, I think that guy's an unlikable human being. Yeah. Uh, Scott really does not like Starkeesian, but there's there's reason. Um, it'd be good if Texas was good for football. I don't love that they're joining the SEC, but uh, Texas is going to be good. And also they have Arch Manning, right? So I'm, I am pulling for Arch Manning just because I'm a huge fan of the Mannings. Rob no, Buxbaum? I, I think Nick's right. You know, you lose a back-to-back -back national champion starting quarterback. You lose, you know, all that stuff on defense. George is in a better position to reload, but they're they're certainly not as good as they've been the last two seasons, you would think that's uh that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. And you mentioned Watch LSU Tennessee. earlier. Tennessee's coming back. I think LSU under Brian Kelly. And I sent you that uh, tweet yesterday, but like mm -hmm. the best defensive prospect in football right now is probably Harold Perkins. And he's still a year out, but like, Oh my God, like uh, unbelievable. Yeah, um, I, God, I, I think as the money starts coming to these guys, one, I don't mind them staying in college or making a ton of money, that's fine. Uh, but I, I feel like the collusion will change a little bit. They'll be less apt to partner up and say, why are we making these guys sit three years now? Um, come on out. You're ready. But yeah. that's a different conversation as well. Yeah. But Harold Perkins, keep an eye out for him on LSU. He's linebacker, a little small, but Jesus, he is unbelievable. Uh, Rob Buxbaum saying good morning, Nick and Deacon Scott from Nashville. 
Always the best MHH team. Oh, Rob, you're going to make us blush. Thank you. If we were uh, to sign a running back, uh, when would it be? Likely post-June 1st. Seems like they're waiting a little bit. I mean, the longer they can drag it out and guys are not signed, the more information we're going to have about Javonta Williams. So they're probably waiting to see also what the cook market is as well. And there's, I don't think there's a rush. I mean, Zeke is still out there. Hunt is still out there. There's some veterans that uh, you can offer a cheap contract. And also, it's not just the Broncos waiting. It's probably these veteran running backs waiting as well. At some point, they're like, okay, it's not coming. So we might as well just uh, sit back and either sit the year out or uh, take the contract. And there will be post June one. When you say post June one, uh, Rob, there could be some releases after post June one for salary cap reasons. So those happen all the time. Those happen all the way up until uh, actually they still happen during the season. Sometimes remember Stefan mm-hmm. Gilmore a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, was released like week four and then signed on with the Carolina Panthers right away and has had a couple of pretty good years since then. So um there's a lot of good talk about Javante Williams, and we will continue to say just temper your expectations for Javante Williams. It would be a miracle to see him at 90% on September 1st. Um, yeah. It would be a miracle to see him at 100% by the end of this season, which would be roughly 15 months after surgery. Um, yeah. So we're all hoping for it, but yes. There's no rush right now to get guys in, and the veterans are in no rush. A lot of them, you know, think of Melvin Gordon last year. They're not all Melvin Gordon, but a lot of them are like, I don't, man, I don't, I'm a running back. I don't need to be at camp uh, until fall camp, until August. Yeah. We'll see. Miracle. I mean, God, just it would be unbelievable. There's been typically it's 18 months for that level of injury for the knee. So, especially for that type of player. For, it's a little bit different with Javante Williams because he is a power back, um, but he still has that quick twitch in there. So, yeah. you know, for for a, a cornerback or, you know, a true quick twitch guy that relies on his change of direction, even an ACL is a full 18 months. And I know yeah. we talk about, oh, with modern medicine and it can come back quickly. It can be stable enough to be ready that you're back on the field in eight months. But by the time you fully rehabilitate and the, the the atrophy around the muscles that you haven't been able to work out, like I said, hamstrings follow knees constantly. Mm-hmm. So sometimes a setback isn't necessarily in the knee. It's like, oh, we got him back out there. Well, he just tweaked a hamstring. Calf mm-hmm. just went. So th- there's it's it's a it's a long road. Yeah, without a doubt. Jay Roper coming in, curly hair gang. Hope you're doing well. Drew, Ce- Drew Sanders ceiling, Clay Matthews. I guess I think. <sighs> Matthews mostly played edge towards the end of his career. I don't know if I see Sanders doing that. I don't think he's got the same level length profile off the top of my head uh, that uh, Sanders is tall, but I don't think he was the lengthiest player. Clay Matthews How much had does a he weigh? Bit. How much does, does he, because Clay Matthews was big. Yeah. Clay Matthews, 240 at the combine, but I don't know if he came out longer than that. I mean, Clay Matthews with the 10, oh my God, a 10 yard split of 149. And he was, <laughs> and he was 260 pounds. When he came, okay, mock draft will add him at 240, but I'm sure he bulked up in the NFL. Yeah, but he, yeah, he played at two, his last playing was at 255, which, you know, yeah. 250 to 260. Yeah. Um, four, five, eight shuttle, you know, but like you said, the four, one, eight shuttle, the six, the six, nine, three, three cone. Um, you'd like to think the ceiling would be there, but what are the odds he reaches a ceiling? So that'd be nice. That'd be a good target. But yeah, Clay Matthews was pretty special. And I guess, you know, he, he really matured in college because he went in. I covered USC. Some of y'all have heard me talk about this before. 
we were between writers at Scout at the time. So I was living in LA. I covered USC's first month of fall of fall camp when um, Ray Maluga and uh, Brian, Brian Cushing. Cushing were the two guys out there, you know, and they're running a four three. I was like, and one of the guys that was a writer for another site was Clay Matthews' younger brother, Brian Matthews. And I said, I went up to him. I said, Brian, Clay's every bit as good as these guys, and he wasn't getting any of the hype yet. He yeah. did that year, you know, he, he, he showed up and became that guy. So that'd be nice, but Clay Matthews was pretty special. Yeah. He really good player. I mean, there's a reason he had all the publicity granted on an Aaron Rodgers team, but uh, the guy who sticks out for me for Drew Sanders that uh, I see him as a player, second level uh, pressure player, Mario Davis. And it makes sense. Cause you know, can make comparing him to the uh, saints, right? The Sean Payton team, even though Sean Payton's on offense, I see them looking for a pressure player, but Tomorrow Davis has probably been one of the most underrated defensive players over the last decade at linebacker and his just pressures numbers from the linebacker spot. Um, he's had 2013, 19 pressures, 2014, 16, 2015, 26, 2017, 28, 2018, 21, 2019, 30, 2020, 26 pressures. I mean, he's been a pressure player from that linebacker spot. He's still, you know, coverage, run fits, et cetera, et cetera. But the ability to get back there from that second level and create pressure, that's the one that I see. Uh, as the best case scenario for Sanders. I think what you would hope for this year is what the Saints got from Caden Ellis last year. Mm -hmm. um, I think he started 11 games and had seven sacks. So, yep. you know, coming up the middle. So that, that would be a guy, if you're interested in checking out who who's a decent comp for Drew Sanders, let's do a Google search on Caden with a K, Ellis, which is actually double L, double S. So check out Caden Ellis, and that's a pretty, just do a, a quick Google search on him. Um, Free agent from the Saints, signed with the Atlanta Falcons, will be playing inside, but is playing inside in order to rush inside to, mm -hmm. to be a pressure player from coming up the middle. Yep. Philip Hagginson out there talking about Montana. Hopefully you're not getting choked out by that Alberta wildfire smoke. And Lawrence Rivera saying he thinks he's going to, Javante Williams is going to get cut. I would be shocked if Javante Williams gets cut. Now they have two years of control left. If anything, he ends up on IR and they try it again next season. They don't get any sort of cap savings for moving on from him. It's not like they need the roster spot when they could put him on the injury list just to create that spot as well. I would don't think that's feasible at all. Yeah, I appreciate the stars, Lawrence. And to see him not on the active roster is definitely possible. So he would go PUP, physically unable to perform list, before mm -hmm. he would get cut. But to your point, he he probably wouldn't be on the active 53, I think would be a, a prediction, just the nuances of cut versus inactive type of thing, I think is what you're going for on this one. Yeah. Trey Bauer coming in again. Are the rookies more likely to be starting the end of the year because of injury or because they earn it? I think that it's probably a combination of both because they still have to beat. There's other competition to beat. I mean, Marvin Mims has to beat out KJ Hamler started like show that he can beat out KJ Hamler. If KJ Hamler looks better and is healthy, then, you know, who knows with that one, uh, with Drew Sanders, probably injury, but if he's out there, you know, being a lot better player than Alex Singleton, then he could be him. Riley Moss, I think has the clearest path to starting. Cause he only has to beat out one guy. Who's not a very proven guy, even though I am a big Demari Mathis fan, but I, it's probably, <laughs> it's hard to say. I think it's, a, it could be a little column, a, a little column B. Yeah. And you can talk about that, that would an injury open him up? Yes. Um, you know, who, who are we talking about that could come in and play right away? Marvin Mims, you know, when we talk about starters, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be in a two wide receiver standard 11 base set, but in, if you're, if you're running out there 
in, in packages and you look, okay, who's number one in various packages in a four wide receiver set, is, is he listed there? You know, then you're, you're, you're a number one receiver then, or, you know, you're, you're part of the number ones in this package. So Marvin Mims has a chance to get, to be involved in a lot of number one packages. Riley Moss should be one of your top four defensive backs should be one of your top four corners right away. So you got K one, you've got, um, you've got Pat Sertan, Riley Moss, and Damari Mathis. If you're running a four cornerback set for some reason out there, you're running a, a dime set with two safeties, he's in. Mm-hmm. So, yes, while you might not say listed as starters is always listed in a base package, but base, how often do you play base, Nick? Third, maybe? Yeah. You know, and then it's then it's sub packages. So you could be a starter in these different packages pretty soon without having you know having the term being labeled as a starter if you're if you're a number one in a base package you're a starter in my opinion nick snap count it'll come down to that's that's what's the indicator here i don't care who gets to say their name at the beginning of sunday night football or whatever it's uh, snaps at the end of the day ben bunts coming in saying live in austin yours apparently is looking great arch manning's true freshman would have been bet against him broncos country should definitely keep an eye on the name yours uh Quarterbacks next year, everybody knows Drake May, everybody knows Caleb Williams, but you know, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, JJ McCarthy, those are some names to keep an eye on for some other guys. Because if Russell Wilson struggles this year, we're going to be talking a lot of quarterbacks uh, on this show specifically because I'm looking for him. But uh, Scott, I think we should probably start to talk a little bit about our t- topic today. Um, with the last you know, 10 15 minutes of the show, PFF put out a projection on it. Yeah, we've, we've hit on it some, but I did want to go over uh, some of the comments here, um, or at least the what they actually put on, because there are some question marks here. Uh, the PFF put out each team's starting roster. Now, they've listed 12 players, so it's kind of it's not 11, it's 12, 12 men on the so field packages. here. Yeah, so they kind of get one in. I mean, I wonder why 12 was the line rather than like 14, right? The, you could fit in, if you're talking sub packages, maybe add in a couple more here or there, but um, especially on defense. But I digress. On offense, uh, just listing the guys who they have starting here, they got quarterback Russell Wilson, two running backs listed here, Javonta Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. Wide receiver, they have three. It's Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and K.J. Hamler listed as the third wide receiver. At tight end, they list Greg Dulcich. And the offensive line is, as expected, Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, Lloyd Cushenberry, Quinn Miners, and Mike McGlinchey. So off the bat, just the one that stands out here for me is that they have KJ Hamler listed not only above Marvin Mims, but above Tim Patrick as well. I know Tim Patrick's coming back from an injury, but that happened in July last year, if I'm not mistaken. And it was the more easily to come back for historical precedent knee injury. It sounds, I mean, we haven't been talking about him because it sounds like he's like right on track to be okay this season. So I, it's got to be Patrick there as the third wide receiver for me. Yeah, and if it's not, it's probably Mims. I just yep. I don't have I don't have any faith in Hamler getting out there, and I would love to be able to check this out. Say, okay, May eighteenth, thirty minutes into the show, we're talking about KJ Hamler not really going to be able to be a contributor to this team, and eating mm-hmm. those words would love it. Yep. Would absolutely love for him to to prove me wrong on that one. Not that he really cares what I have to say, but. You know, you look back and he has had a lot of trouble contributing to this team in three years. You know, at some point, his his time's going to be up. You know, is it this season? If KJ Hamler had an 800-yard season last year and played 16 games, I don't think you trade up for Marvin Mims. Uh, forget Patrick and Judy and uh, and and Sutton. The, to me, this was a this was a Hamler move uh, as much as anything. 
Um, one of the things that stands out to me, Nick, was the, uh, I won't even say it crying wolf, but because it, it, it's legit, but it's ringing the alarm bell on that defensive line. Mm-hmm. You've got 12 players here and you still only have two interior linemen yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. And, and one of them, Zach Allen. <laughs> edge so slash interior. You're basically yeah. on, I, I put the link in the chat. You've got five DL slash edge. And really it's four edge and a defensive end and one interior lineman. Yep. You know, so you've you've called it out before and i still think purcell fits in here in in some of these packages but when you're talking dl zach allen dl dj jones and then edge 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 randy gregory baron browning jonathan cooper well jonathan cooper is not a starter and if i have to run out four defensive linemen with baron browning randy gregory and i have to slide zach allen inside with dj jones oh my god am i light up front yeah I mean, it's I'm very concerned about the depth of the defensive line this season. And Pro Football Focus is also concerned that they say the Broncos' biggest re- def- uh, weakness in 2023 is the pass rush in the defensive line. I uh, say the Broncos put up the sixth worst pass rush grade in the NFL, did very little, if anything, to improve this offseason. Only pass rusher to post a 70-plus grade in returning was Randy Gregory, who notched a 76.2, but just on 114 snaps, can't seem to stay healthy. Zach Allen was added, but there isn't a whole lot to be excited about with this unit. So... The Broncos defensive line is majorly concerning um, right now. And it's one that uh, probably as the season goes on, Scott, we're going to always have to have the caveat conversation of, well, the Broncos need to add a defensive line, but you can't say that without talking about quarterback first, but I am leaning pretty heavily right now towards defensive line, whether it be edge or even defensive tackle as a position the Broncos could invest in pretty heavily this season. Yeah. And just, you can find guys that can play. And one of the reasons we talk about, at least for depth reasons, you know, I can go find me a 330 pound guy that is on somebody's practice squad that I can come in and do a job. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we don't talk about the quarterback as much. And, you know, some people come and go from this podcast and, you know, they'll, they'll jump and say, well, how come you're not talking about the quarterback? Cause you can't really do anything about the quarterback this year. It's it's you've got what you've got. Now I can go out and find, a fourth and fifth and a sixth defensive lineman up there to try and still add to this team over the course of the next several months. You're not going to come in. It's it's Russell Wilson and Jarrett Stidham, Ben DiNucci. But, you know, is Ben DiNucci the answer? Okay, if Russ struggles, Ben DiNucci is going to take us to the playoffs? No, if Russ struggles, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. I can get some upgrades on the defensive line off of – the, 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 the shelf, you know, yeah. going through practice squads, see who's getting cut salary cap um, casualties over the summer. And I would be scouring for for 300 pound plus guys. Uh, and I'm sure that they are in, in Denver. Yeah. And the, the edge group is so weird because you have a lot of bodies in there, but ones that you can depend on are actual difference makers. I mean, we just hard to say, I mean, Randy Gregory, when he's healthy again, they mentioned it, but he looks like a lottery pick when he's healthy out there, like an alien, like the athleticism, the bend, the burst that he has. I mean, it's the flashes. If you just put together his top like 10 plays last season and be like, oh, my God, this guy top is like, that, yeah, like unbelievable, but can't stay out there. Uh, been a big issue. Baron Browning, still a projection. I wish that if you had like another great edge rusher in there and made Browning your three. And I know Carl kind of convinced me on this one. I came around on, especially after Jacob Martin released, like you bring in Melvin Ingram or a, uh, Frank Clark, if they are okay with the background and the history and you move, you kick Jonathan Cooper off this list, you move Baron Browning down to that third guy. 
makes a lot more sense in terms of the depth. So we'll see. Uh, the Broncos really need to add uh, some defensive line talent. It does concern me greatly uh, this even Miguel Santa Stevens saying Jacobs might tear up that defense again. He might um, Broncos defensive line right now is a don't feel like anybody's talking about it really besides us. I guess I don't literally listen to other people talk about the team that much because I don't want to be outside influenced. Um, I want these takes to be organic, uh, but certified organic. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, we uh, <laughs> not to get into the USA uh, food processing uh, FDA stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, let's keep it going. Uh, other guys on the offensive side that kind of surprised me. Javonta Williams being listed as starter right now. I mean, if you put in like Samaj P. Ryan and then what is it? Tony Jones or whatever the heck is the other one. It looks concerning, but they might they not listen- have had a grade on anybody else, Nick. That's probably it. It's like, let's, so, nobody's going to call this I put the link in the chat and they've got the list and they've got their PFF grade from the year before. Mm-hmm. They might not have had a grade on anybody else at running back. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, unfortunately. And Aki Dragon says the PFF grades are any indication it'll be another long season. That was from last year. So uh, hopefully they'll be better this year in better situations. But yeah. They, uh, yeah. I mean, let's see. Didn't grade well. We, we, if I told you who of the starters, who was the lowest graded Starter on offense, would you be surprised? I'm looking for who it is. Lloyd Cushenberry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that hey, doesn't surprise I, you, right? They actually got it right. I feel like years prior, it's like we're seeing Lloyd Cushenberry get his butt kicked. And uh, it's like, why is his grade so high? I guess it's ESPN's pass block win rate. That was uh, so the one that really the, didn't make sense. The lowest grade, and it was run blocking win rate for Dalton Reisner, was the one. Oh, he's a mauler. He's a masher. What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Watch the games, please. Um, and the lowest graded defensive player of these 12 starters listed by far is Baron Browning. Yeah. That was surprising to me. So I feel okay about Baron Bryce about, uh, about Baron Browning. Um, you know, Baron Browning is, he had some trouble. He's, he's battled some injuries and you know, that was the thing when he was coming out, people, he got hurt in camp and tweaked the muscles. Like, Oh, is this guy injury prone? I'm like, we hadn't missed any games at Ohio state. Why is he getting this label? Well, maybe he, is having trouble staying healthy so but you feel pretty good about browning if you look at that number you go but browning's browning can make some plays Mm -hmm. browning ends up being a full-time starter gets his time in and he's your worst player on defense you're gonna be all right you'll you'll be okay i think he's one like i mentioned you'd love it if he was your first guy off the bench out there uh but he has a chance to be a starter right now and he's got i mean he's got incredible athletic tools, great length. I mean, when you put him in mock draftable and move him to edge, one of his top comparisons from an athletic profile is Cleo Mack, um, just in terms of the overall athletic testing and size. But uh, Ben Bunce comes in, says uh, this is a make or break year for Browning. Same thing with Caden Stearns, man. Just got to stay healthy. Uh, tools are out there. But last year he was like incredible. I think that Colts game, he had like three sacks or something, looked great. And then he suffered a, I think it was a hamstring injury. I cannot recall what it was. But after that, he just wasn't the same same player. That was that was a demonstration of the worst pass protection in any game from both sides I've ever seen. It was bad. Oh, it was oh, it's third down sack or knockdown. It was that was an atrocity. That game was so bad. Al Just Michaels awful. like apologizing to the watcher. Oh, it was so like, awful. Level of football. I think I tweeted out after that the Broncos and NFL should be issuing apologies and refunds to their broadcast partners and their season ticket holders for that. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know how much you live on Twitter, but uh, definitely it was a sickos type of game with the sickos committee. They love the really ugly college football games that are just like so bad that they're good. That was a sickos game. Um, Mac, they love Ma- their maction as well. So for some sickos football, <laughs> Richard miles, Hey guys, hope all is well with you and the rest of Broncos family. 
Dominic Martin's in the house. Morning, Broncos family. What's new? Uh, Pearl Heater saying, I just listened to you guys. You say it like it is. I mean, we say it how we perceive it. Doesn't mean we're always going to be right, but I don't think we we're cheering for ourselves to be right. And I don't think we are concerned about hurting anybody's feelings either. And also we're not overly fan driven. Scott's not a Bronco fan per se. He's here to analyze. And I've kind of taken, I still pull for the Broncos, but when I put sit in this chair, take off the fan goggles, take off the fan hats as much as I possibly can. Yeah. There, there's a phrase people say, Oh, he, he really tells it like it is. Well, no, he calls it like he sees it, but he's a moron. Um, <laughs> You know, so I might be that guy. I'll I'll be honest. I always say you're gonna get a you're gonna get two things from me. You're gonna get a quick response and you're gonna get an honest response. If it's any good, we'll let time tell. But you know, I always I always correct people when they say that. Oh, he really tells it like it is. No, no, no. He calls it like he sees it. Problem is, he's he's a dumbass. <laughs> That's the title of the show: morons who call it like they see it, or blind men who call it like they see it. Uh, keeping on the offense here, KJ Hamler being listed as a starter. A little bit definitely surprising. He shouldn't be on there. Uh, shouldn't be made the list. They didn't put in any rookies on this. I guess it's because they, I don't see a team like the Cowboys. They don't have any rookies in there either. Maybe they just didn't put in any rookies for these lists because they don't have the grades. Uh, but uh, looking well, at it look, as well. Go look up at Atlanta Falcons because they've got two. So they got Bijan Robinson and they put asterisks next to him as college oh. grades. Okay, there it is. Well, yeah. never mind. I was just but looking who would it. you put in as a starter? You wouldn't put anybody in as a starter for the Broncos right now. I would put in Mims over KJ Hamler. I would too, but yeah, I would have put Patrick in over yes. KJ Hamler or Mims. Yep, I agree. But yeah, they'd have to put double asterisk there for Tim Patrick's numbers being from two years ago. But yeah. <laughs> I digress. Uh, the other one on here that I think is it's, they made the right call, but I don't know if he will end up being the starter as Greg Dulcich, just because it seems like this is a Broncos team that wants to run and they need some running uh, to do that. And chronic coming in, Nick, are you a Seahawks fan now? Nick, don't let Seattle rub off on you. I, I am. Uh, I was definitely pulling for the crack in there. And if the Sonics ever come back, I will dip my toe in the uh, Seattle supersonic fandom as well. But I, uh, I hate this. Here's Seahawks. my guess. Let me, let me make a prediction based on human psychology. Familiar familiarity breeds contempt. Okay. So being a Broncos fan up in Seattle right now would only make him dislike the Seahawks more over the last 12 months. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt, the, uh, I can't even wear Broncos stuff without people harassing me, you know, like, Oh, thanks for the trade idiots. Thanks for taking Russ and that kind of thing. So not a fan of that. And Scott, you kind of froze up on me. I've got, I I scrolled up and looked at things and then that they, they've really been struggling on this with Streamyard lately. You can't, look at another tab without it going into super slow mo. I haven't noticed it as much on my end, but I have other issues. So uh, everybody has their own things um, on the defensive side of the ball. I think you already hit on everything that I was going to talk about the defensive line concerns, listing Jonathan Cooper as one of your starting best five players in the defensive front. Cooper's been solid, but I mean, God, that's, that's not great. And no, the other I'm one here Purcell and putting him in there as one of those defensive linemen. You have to, you've yeah. got, I mean, Zach Allen's a nice. He, in in what world is he a defensive tackle? In third and long. Yeah, which you know. So again, it's hard. He he's either an end or an edge. You know, uh, he's either you know a little bit light as an end or a, a big edge, depending on you know is he standing up or has he got his hand in the dirt. Um, DJ Jones is undersized. I mean, he's not. Oh, man, he's a plug. He's a plug. 
he's I mean, he's really good, but he's still your penetrator. He's your quick guy, not your who's there that's going to take on the center and guard on running plays out of your starting five of Zach Allen, DJ Jones, Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, and Jonathan Cooper. You know, it's you know who good. it is. It's Alex Singleton and Josie Jeweler are gonna have to come up and plug mm-hmm. gaps and leave a ton of space behind you. Yes. On it's, play action. It's, it's concerning. It's concerning. Yep. I knew eventually that if we talked about it enough, Scott, you'd be eyebrow raising two of the defensive line stuff because yeah, a... well, for me, like I said, I, I think Purcell can do a job. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm not as down, especially for what you're paying for him. He's what three or 4 million. You were paying mm-hmm. your punter more than in your kicker, more than you were paying Purcell two years ago. Purcell yep. can do a job. He needs to be as part of this list. I'm, yeah. I'm taking off Jonathan Cooper when I've got 12 and I'm plugging in Mike Purcell. Then I can at least go three, four, and I can say Purcell in the middle, DJ Jones, and then Zach Allen as as big ends mm-hmm. with my my four linebackers with two edges and two insides. Now I'm I'm okay with it. Now I don't have any depth. The depth is scary, but at least I can go out there with a three four, knowing I have a chance to stop the run. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree with you there on that. And also on this list, they list Cooper first. I'm hoping I you know I've been super critical of the pick and the play and the skill set and everything. But you're hoping by the end of next season that Nick Benito has displaced Jonathan Cooper because he's a more toolsy player. He's got more uh, burst, more bend, more flexibility, uh, has to do the little things right on first and second down to, to earn those opportunities. But you're hoping by the end of the season that it is listed there with uh, if they're going to list three edges, you hope that it's Cooper as the third one. But got to earn that opportunity. And uh, other than that, I don't see too much that is shocking on this list. We're going to harp on defensive line all season. It's going to be a frustration. I mean, it's going to make the defense hard to watch, I think, at some point this season if they don't add another player because you're going to just see them getting physically beat up on that side of the ball because of the lack lack of depth uh, on that side. So it's, it's concerning right now, no doubt. Miguel has, Miguel has a good question. Says, fellas, if Darby hasn't signed yet, can you see him coming back as a safety net? I know it's uh, hit or miss, and we drafted Moss. Just curious. So does Moss... Close the door on Darby. Do you have enough bodies there now that you're not going to bring him back three, four million? Yeah, probably not. I'm probably looking elsewhere unless there's an, I feel like that position, I want to see what Mathis Moss and even, you know, some dark horses like Art Green and Jaquan McMillan uh, look like outside in camp before I'm spending that level of money in that position. When right now, I think we talked about it a lot. Defensive line, edge, running back, offensive line depth. I mean, the second unit of the Broncos offensive line. If you trot those guys out there, that is like, you're going to preseason is going to be rough because when the starters are not out there, that offensive line you know, is, you haven't given me a good wolf in a while. I mean, <laughs> wolf. Yeah. It's the, the second unit of the offensive line is wolf worthy. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> wolf worthy Ugh. hashtag wolf worthy. Not, not, uh, not great. And that's going to make preseason rough to watch. Oh man. Jarrett Stidham looks terrible. Well, He's hitting his three-step drop in his back foot, and he's got a guy in his lap. Hey, it'll seem like the last two years playing quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, Rob comes in. He says, come 2024, if and when uh, Kiwan Williams moves on, could either Mathis or Moss play slot corner? Um, the answer is yes, and Kiwan Williams is young and cheap. He needs to be re-signed. He may want to move on, and it might not be up to you, but double his money and lock him down for three more years. That that would be my advice mm-hmm. Uh Rob and Nick. Yeah. yeah. Mathis and Moss could definitely move those spots. And uh Pearl Heater said, what are they going to do for another kicker? This is a big need. The way McManus's contract is set up is that you're going to have him this season 
And uh, if he struggles this year, they'll move on. So this yeah, is a make or like, break season. Anything happen with him. He's you only carry one. Yeah. Um, you might Sometimes bounce guy on the for... practice squad, yeah. but yeah, you know, it's, it's not overly hard to find kickers. You say that it's, it's kind of like the old porn argument. How do you know when you got a good kicker? Well, I know it when I see it, you know, but mm -hmm. they're, they're not, it's not hard to find a guy that can kick field goals in this league. Now yeah. they're streaking mm -hmm. and it can look terrible. You know, as to Dallas Cowboy, I know, I know, but like 90% is the low bar for, for kickers. Yeah. Um, Zach Power says, did Deshaun Williams sign somewhere? We could definitely bring him back. And he did. Uh, I loved him as a rotational second, you know, first guy in, in, in the rotation, not necessarily a starter, but he did sign somewhere. I just don't know, remember, remember where, Nick. For some reason, Washington springs to mind, but I don't think that's right. No, he followed his year ever to Carolina. Okay, signed good a, for them. Signed a decent that's, contract that's a, with Carolina. That's a, that's a good pickup for them. Yep. I, that, I love that Carolina defense. I know it's I'm supposed to be, you know, not biased towards the Falcons, but like the, no, just the no, makeup. It's, it's, there isn't any that we're, we're talking about it is, yeah. you know, how good, how good can Carolina be? You know, as we'll see, I think Frank Reich's a good coach and they've sure got some ever. good pieces on defense. And when they showed up to play last year, they were dangerous. They were just so hit or miss. It's like, they looked like world beaters one week and then the, like they couldn't be bothered the next. Yeah. Just with how they played down the stretch of that offensive line. And maybe it's the ghost of Cam Newton in there, but I would have taken, I probably would have taken Anthony Richardson just for that physical team. When they were the best, they were beating the crap out of teams up front. And I think that's a uh, style to embrace. I like the Broncos have embraced uh, talking about the defensive still. Um, they list the biggest X factor is Russell Wilson saying his biggest X factor in all of football. Um, we'll be curious to see for Wilson this season, but I'm going to take a different angle on the biggest X factor. I think this team changes dramatically and we've kind of hinted at already this show, but uh, Javante Williams, I mean, if he's out there and is ready for training camp, you know, I kind of believe it when I see it, but that is, that's an unbelievable change for what this offense looks like this season. So I think he was the biggest loss last year as well. I mean, Russell Wilson is God awful versus two high safety shells. Well, guess what? Broncos saw a crazy number of two deep safety shells because they didn't respect the running game at all they said run the ball i dare you. you guys suck at running the ball your offensive line can't block for it your wide receivers are soft your running backs are terrible uh so broncos saw a lot of two high safety shells and russell wilson struggled against them because he struggles over the middle of the field and he struggles with the quick game so javante williams being back and healthy huge x factor for the entire structure of the offense yeah i think it's easy to say that russell williams is the biggest x factor on this what's the biggest variable and how well you're going to do so i i just that's that one's too easy Mm -hmm. Who comes next? And Javante Williams is one of those. I mean, the X factor for me is also how healthy can this team be? Yeah, I think you somebody know, said that. We start talking a lot of these guys and, you know, how many times do we say if healthy? Oh, well, KJ Hamler could be really good. He can't stay on the field. Caden Stearns, uh, he hasn't been on the field. Randy Gregory, say it with me, everybody. He hasn't been on the field. Um, Baron Browning, here we go. Um, you mentioned, um, the offensive line. Okay. So the health factor on this team is the biggest X factor. How, can they at least revert? There you go, Michael. Can you at least revert back to average, mm -hmm. average injuries across the NFL? That would be a, a big one for me from a personnel standpoint. Who that's a tough one. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go Lloyd Cushenberry on mm -hmm. that, you know, He's more of a constant than an X factor. 
because he is, he has constantly been underperforming. One of the first quotes I remember when I started covering this team was if I had played better last year, they wouldn't have drafted minors. Minors was drafted to bring, to play center. Um, and, and he moved to guard. It was, it was too much for him early and they needed to get their, their best five on the line. So the minors was moved to guard quickly, but mm-hmm. they've been trying to pr- replace Cushenberry for two years. They didn't try very hard this year, Nick. So yeah. if Cushenberry can work his way up to an average center instead of a bottom five center, that could do wonders for your offense. Yeah. The, the other one here that I was going to give a shout out to for X factor, we already talked a lot about it, but like when Grandy Gregory is healthy, I really do think he's a one, a, uh, or at least, you know, a primary pass rusher on a defensive line, but he's not healthy. So that's the big X factor. How long, how many snaps can you get of healthy Randy Gregory really pulling for him? Because I mean, it's, he's a joy to watch, uh, from the athletic ability. Last comment here from PFF that we wanted to get into. They say that the, uh, Broncos, uh, Rookie to watch the season is Riley Moss saying that they have question marks opposite Riley Moss. Damari Math is a question uh, question mark, but they really hint are they really touch on Riley Moss's ability to make plays on the football as a big reason to watch out for him this season uh, for the Broncos. Broncos have been dreadful at creating turnovers in the year that the Saints won the Super Bowl. Their big difference on that team was their defense was incredible at taking the ball away that season, 2009. So if maybe I really like Damari Mathis, my favorite pick last season, um, really good to have options at cornerback given how important that position is. Uh, but Riley Moss, they list as the player to watch on that uh, from this rookie class. So I think he's the one that's got the clearest path to becoming a full-time starter. Probably not the one to the clearest path to the most snaps, which would be Marvin Mims. If we're not including special teams, then it might be Drew Sanders, but that's my thoughts. Uh, one, one last thought on Cushenberry here is uh, Ben comes in. He says, Scott Cushenberry has also been a constant on the field. And for this team, that means something. No, he hasn't. Uh, he last year got hurt midseason, week eight or week nine, whenever the buy, wherever the buy was, uh, was replaced by Graham Glasgow and didn't get his job back, despite the fact that Graham Glasgow was no world beater. Yeah. But he was still performing better than Cushenberry at the time. And Graham Glasgow has been moved on and Cushenberry is back. It's a it's a it's a scary situation at center right now. Now, how much can you scheme around it and how much improvement can you get? But I'm I'm not going to write him in there as, oh, yeah, he's going to be a lot better based on scheme this and that. You know, no, show me, dude. You know, you've had ample opportunity to play. Uh, And right now, my evaluation would be he's been as good as he's going to get, and it's not good enough. Yeah. <sighs> yep, yep. Well, uh, Scott Sidejar, there we go. Woof. Um, let's uh, wrap it on up here. I uh, wanted to go 30 to 40 minutes, and we're at 52. So that's going to have to do it unless we have a last minute super come in that uh, keeps us on the hook for a little longer. But Michael Ronquillo coming in saying, Great show today, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you so much, Michael. And if you guys like Michael, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We'll hear from Michael here as soon as the show's over, giving us a shout out for the good show. So thank you, Michael, in advance. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, though, follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at Scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you guys are following us at uh, BFB underscore pod. Broncos for breakfast. There it is. And uh, of course at mile high huddle as well. If you're joining us on Facebook, join us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, please subscribe, like, and share. Uh, shout out to everybody who came in with the stars and support today. Obviously Michael Ronquillo, big time. We had Gary Palmer in the house. Shout out to you, Gary. Hope you're doing well. Uh, shout out also, of course, to Mark Schrader doing better of after eight months, um, open heart surgery. That's 
incredible. Uh, we really do appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with us, Mark. But uh, just great to hear that you are on the up and up and maybe hell, maybe as healthy as ever. We, uh, we are, we're really glad to hear that. Troy, Troy Bauer also in the house. Good to see you. Scott, were there any uh, Facebook superstars that I'm missing? Yeah, Miguel here? came in, Miguel, uh, Michael, yes. obviously. Didn't see Lawrence Phil Rivera. morning. Um, Phil's usually in here, but in here all the time. Um, Lawrence came in with some stars too. So yeah. the, the usual faces who support the show and we love you for it. So thank you so much. Nick playing time cop lately. Nick's uh, Nick's been busy at work and he has to get going. So uh, that's that's the big one here. Nick's also been trying to get in a workout in the morning because he's got about 200 miles of backpacking trips this year and doesn't want to get himself hurt. And uh, Dirt Boy, 6789. This is one we'll have to talk about at some point, um, especially with rookie minicamp. Uh, Broncos undrafted free agent from Penn State defensive lineman PJ Mustafer as somebody that uh, there's been a few talk, uh, a little bit of talk about him coming out of rookie minicamp. Again, I'm very much a seen as believing person, especially for a defensive line, but there's an opportunity for snaps on this unit. Yeah, that's the point. You know, who are you going against? We just read off the the list of defensive linemen over 300 pounds, and it was DJ Jones. Mm -hmm. That was it. You know, so you've got an opportunity. My goodness, take advantage of it for sure. And just to put a bow on this, and and Ben was asking, you know, on the Cushionberry, he says, who do you think is an upgrade that we have? No one. You know, that, that's what I said. It's it's not Lloyd Cushionberry's fault that he's not good enough. That's that's not his fault. That's the Denver Broncos' fault. Um, they didn't, like I said, they didn't try very hard to replace him, which might speak volumes, but you got a seventh round draft pick and a, you, I don't know if they picked him up or they didn't trade anything for him, but you know, and Kyle Fuller, who's never been a starter in this league, that's his competition. That scares me at the center position because we know what we've got in Lloyd Cushenberry. The unknowns don't have very good pedigrees. So you've asked me before, and I said at the top of the show, Lloyd Cushenberry is your starting center until someone else comes in and takes it from him which I don't think is on the roster right now. Nope. That's probably the position you'll see some turnover next year. And we'll also see a little turnover with uh, maybe left tackle as well. So Garrett Bowles contract, if he doesn't play well, he was not good last season. So that's something to keep an eye on, but guys, it's going to wrap it on up for our show. Appreciate everyone coming in. Shout out to dirt boy coming in last minute with that 199 PJ Mustafer uh, call out. And uh, you guys have a great one. Make sure you're continuing to choose kindness and compassion. We will see you again next Monday for the final Monday show of this season's cycle. Um, and uh, until then, have a great weekend. Choose kindness and compassion. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.